Hey friend, welcome to the Alive Living Podcast. My name is Sarah Raquel Gauthier, and I'm excited for our journey together. We are all spiritual beings on a spiritual journey, but sometimes we may feel like we're stuck and not fully living. The good news is, is that Jesus came so that you could have life and life abundantly. So let's stop sleepwalking and start living alive one conversation at a time. How do you get unstuck? We talk about this idea that um, we may feel like we are stuck on our spiritual journey, like we're living but not really alive. And so how do I get unstuck? If it's inevitable that for, for every single person, myself included, <laughs> that we're going to get stuck or we're going to feel like we're not really making any momentum in our spiritual journey, we're not really... Um, like gaining progress or we're not really transforming in our spiritual journey. Like how do you get unstuck? And I was thinking about this in particular today. Um, So I I woke up this morning, went to my usual coffee shop. Um, It was packed this morning. It's already small as it is. And so um, I ended up just kind of like standing at the bar area where they like make and serve the drinks from and one of the baristas said Sarah hey would you like a stool to sit on while you wait for a seat so I she grabs me a stool so generous great people um but she she grabs me a stool and and I sit there for a little while but I just feel so distracted and kind of foggy and cloudy in my head and I I took some time to just kind of like journal my thoughts try to you know jump start the creativity and um then a table finally opened but the table was like in the middle of the coffee shop and I just was distracted by all of the kids and all of the conversations and I sat there for a little while and then another table opened up that was in a corner but I'm, I don't usually sit in this corner but I grabbed it because there was a um, an outlet so I could plug in my laptop and I'm sitting there and I'm I'm, I'm working on a grant proposal, I'm working on a business plan, I'm prepping for a leadership workshop, I'm finalizing my sermon notes, but I was so stuck. Like I I couldn't, I felt like I wasn't making any progress. And at this point I had already been there for two hours. I had moved three times and I just felt like I, I was in this fog. And I, for some reason, like I, I just couldn't make any moves. I kept changing what I was listening to um, on my Spotify. I I was working on things and I was writing things and I sent some uh, a, a portion of what I was working on to a friend and I was like, hey, like, how do you think that this sounds for this grant proposal that we're working on? And she was like, I mean, it's, it's good, but this word language choice that you use, you use this word that, I, I understand what you're saying, but you always use this other word to talk about um, this idea that you're trying to convey. Is there a particular reason that you chose a different word than you always use? And I was like, oh my goodness, like, of of course, this is the wrong word. You are exactly right. Like language matters. And what I love about this particular friend of mine is that she's the friend that when I'm using limiting language or when I'm using um, kind of self-deprecating language or like negative language, she will always call me out on it. She's like, you know, Sarah, I love you. And this is how you're talking about yourself right now. And this is how you're talking about all these situations right now. So side note for making sure that you have um, friends that can call you out when you are not living in the fullest 
whole version of yourself. But anyway, so I'm, I'm sitting there and it's hour number three at this point, sitting at this coffee shop and in through the door walks, um, someone who created a lot of difficulties for me during a really challenging season in my life. And I, I saw this person come in and I was just so triggered and all of these, um, just kind of thoughts and emotions just like ran through <laughs> my body. Um, and I, I haven't, I haven't seen, had any contact, I haven't seen this person in, in a really long time, but all of a sudden I was like brought back to the future. You know, it's like I was living in the past and she sat down, grabbed a coffee, and I was like, oh my gosh, she's now breathing the same air as me, and this is going to be really challenging, and I I kept trying to work, kept trying to force myself to put together and, and, and keep working on all these this writing stuff that I was doing, a lot of creative stuff that I was working on today, and um, I think one of the things that happens to us is we spent so much time running through our lives and forcing ourselves from one thing to the next, um, that it can be really hard for us to hear not only what our emotions are telling us, but also what our souls are telling us. Uh, We live such fast-paced lives, and um, it can be so challenging, I think, for us to hear what our lives are saying to ourselves, to us, our lives speak to us, our bodies speak to us. But when we're trying to force ourselves to, to move beyond uh, a feeling of being stuck or to or force ourselves to even just to get our to-do list done or to get all of our homework done, or, or we're trying to force ourselves, but it, we're having a hard time focusing because we're distracted or we feel cloudy or we feel like we're in a fog or Maybe we're feeling a sense of, of grief and loss, maybe a sense of, of shame or guilt, a sense of fear, a sense of, of just longing for something. It's so important that we stop running, <laughs> that we stop forcing ourselves because our bodies are trying to tell us something through our emotions and our soul is trying to, to tell us something um, through our emotions as well. Emotions are, are exactly that. They are, they are energy moving through our bodies. Emotions are just energy that is moving through our bodies. And emotions are not roadblocks. They are road signs. But I think the, the, the problem with our emotions oftentimes is that we allow our emotions to be controlling to our lives, to our journey, to the story that we're living out. The lifespan of an emotion is basically 90 seconds, no more than 90 seconds. Sometimes it can last a lot less, but usually the lifespan of an emotion, so the lifespan of the energy that is moving through your body is no more than 90 seconds long. But the story that we create from that emotion can last a lifetime. We as humans, we are, we are hardwired for story. We, we love stories. Uh, we, we love stories that we see in movies. We love stories that we read in books. We love stories as we hear them from our friends and our family. We love story. Um, and so we naturally follow scripts. And so even though the lifespan of an emotion is only 90 seconds, the story that we create and the script that we follow can last a lifetime. 
here's here's just a, a quick exercise that that I like to do when I'm when I'm experiencing some emotion. So the first step when 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 I'm feeling that emotion, so in that 90 seconds, identify what that emotion is. So psychologists tell us that we have eight core emotions. They are uh, joy, sadness, acceptance, disgust, fear, anger, surprise, and anticipation. If you've seen Inside Out, you know that most of the emotions um, that are that are functioning in her brain are, are in one of those emotions. And so these eight core emotions, joy, sadness, acceptance, disgust, fear, anger, surprise, and anticipation are our core emotions. Now, we have a whole universe of emotions, but you want to start somewhere. Step one, identify which of those eight core emotions are you feeling? And then step two is to, to understand your emotions. And we understand our emotions when we take the time to feel them in our body. So what that means is, so for example, um, there are times when I'm feeling anticipation and I will get a headache. I'm not, I don't typically get headaches, but if I am feeling the emotion of anticipation, it will cause me to get a headache that kind of comes out of nowhere and, if I, and, I, and it will stay with me <laughs> for several days um, if, I, if I'm not managing it appropriately. So understand your emotions. And so ask yourself the question, where in my body am I feeling this emotion? And then step three is is really about managing our emotions. So what psychologists also tell us is that we have the capacity to increase or decrease the intensity of an emotion. We can, once we've identified what it is, once we've understood where is it, am I experiencing this in my body, then we have the capacity to increase the intensity of it or decrease the intensity. So we can objectively decide what do I want to do with this emotion? So these th three steps have been really helpful for me in terms of being able to not allow my emotions to become roadblocks, but to allow my emotions to become road signs. And, and then they help me to make the next step, to be able to take a next step when I feel stuck or when I feel trapped or when I feel like I'm, I'm in a fog and I can't move on. One of the best books that I read last year was The Body Keeps Score by Bezel von der Kolk. And it's all about trauma and our brains. And one of the things that he talks about is from a brain perspective, we process emotional trauma and physical trauma in the same place. So whether someone stabs you in the leg or breaks your heart in your brain, you process it in the same place. So when we get uh, sensory input or when something triggers us, like today when I'm sitting in this coffee shop and I see this person and, and I get triggered by all of these emotions that start to move through my body, she didn't punch me in the face, she never stabbed me in the leg, but, but what, what happened as a result of the situation that I was in because of her was extremely visceral. So it was harder for me to have the capacity to damper what I was feeling when I saw her. And so it's so important then that we um, go through this process of identifying our emotions, understanding our emotions and managing them. Because if not, then we're just gonna try to keep powering through without actually taking ownership and authorship over the next steps in our story, the next step in our journey. And really we're just gonna stay stuck like we're a hamster spinning in our, our wheel. One of the other things that the Body Keep Score talks about is that um, silence about trauma leads to death. 
and it's the death of our soul. So the importance of naming our trauma and naming, you know, what are these emotions stirring up for me? And as long as you keep secrets and suppress information, he says you are fundamentally at war with yourself. Ignoring your inner reality eats away at your sense of self, identity, and purpose. So you and I cannot live in wholeness if we don't break the silence, if we don't interrupt the story and the script that that 90 second emotion has created in us. We have to interrupt that emotion. We have to stop the cycle. We have to shift the story. So Andy Mineo last last year had this kind of video series leading up to the drop, the the kind of a drop of his most recent album. And he's really honest about his own journey with trauma, his own journey with feeling stuck and particularly as an artist um so important that that we interrupt you know whatever's going on in our lives and he talks about how as he says as i'm running towards success i'm running from fear i'm running from my past and he talks about how so many people who have tremendous success usually have tremendous trauma and the thing that makes people so driven to go and be great is a lot of times the crazy trauma in their lives that they throw all of their energy into. Carrying the weight of your emotional unhealthiness starts to tax your brain, body, and mind in ways you don't realize. What inevitably happens to us as we spend our time just running through our lives and not letting our lives speak to us, not letting our emotions tell us um, what's going on inside of us, not allowing our souls to speak, is that we end up living our present in the past and also living our future in the past and so it's so important that we take the time to pause when we get stuck it's our body signaling to us listen I need you to stop (laughs) I need you to ask yourself what's going on we need to look inward and backward so that we can look outward and walk forward because if not we're going to follow our scripts but we can choose to shift the story. And this week I've been meditating on the interaction between Jesus and this rich tax collector named Zacchaeus. And we find this interaction in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. And in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10, I'm going to read from the message version because I think there's some interesting language here that that made it that makes it real practical for me and and maybe it will help you too as we think about how we can shift our stories and so in Luke chapter 19 verse verse 1 it says then Jesus entered and walked through Jericho there was a man there his name Zacchaeus the head taxman and quite rich he wanted desperately to see Jesus but the crowd was in his way he was a short man and couldn't see over the crowd. All the short people, you know, like me, we can relate to that. Uh, So he ran on ahead, and he climbed up in a sycamore tree so that he could see Jesus when he came by. Verse 5 says, when Jesus got to the tree, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry down. Today is my day to be a guest in your home. And Zacchaeus scrambled out of the tree, hardly believing his good luck, delighted to take Jesus home with him. Everyone who saw the incident was indignant and grumped. What business does he have getting cozy with this crook? Zacchaeus just stood there a little stunned. He stammered apologetically. Master, another name for rabbi, like we talked about in the last episode. 
He says, Master, I give away half of my income to the poor. And if I'm caught cheating, I pay four times the damages. And Jesus said, today is salvation day in this home. Here he is, Zacchaeus, son of Abraham, for the son of man came to find and restore the lost. So I've been meditating a lot on this um, interaction between Jesus and Zacchaeus. There's a lot of, there's a lot of content here and, and there's a lot of things that um, I, I've, I've that been, been really speaking to me in, in this text. But I want to dig into this idea of how does Zacchaeus shift the script? How does Zacchaeus shift his story? He was this tax man. He was rich. He was short. Um, so he had all of these resources, but there was something in him that seems to be stuck. There's something in his life that seems like like a roadblock to who he wants to be. And so we, we see here, it says he desperately wanted to see Jesus. There was an emotion stirring up in him. He desperately wanted to see Jesus. There was a longing to see Jesus, a desire. And so he, he sees that there's a crowd and he ends up having to run on ahead of the crowd, crowd and, and climb up in a tree and wanted to see when Jesus came by. And when Jesus passes the point where this tree is, Jesus looks at him. He sees him so powerful. Jesus sees you when you're stuck. Jesus looks at you when you, you feel like you're stumbling, when you feel like you're hitting all kinds of roadblocks. Know that Jesus sees you. And so he looks up in the tree. He says, Zacchaeus, hurry down. I'm going to be a guest in your home. So now Jesus goes to his home. He is hosted by this tax collector who was rich. And people are, are it's a, I love it. They're indignant and they grumped. I don't even know what grumped means, but they grumped. And what business does he have getting cozy with this crook? And then um, Zacchaeus says to Jesus, he says, Master, another name, another idea for the Lord, Rabbi. He says, I give away half my income to the poor, and if I'm caught cheating, I pay four times the damages. Now, how does Zacchaeus shift the script? How does he interrupt the the journey, the future of his life? How does he create a new story going forward? There are two things that I think we see Zacchaeus do that are important for us as we also try to get unstuck. The first thing that he does is he reorders his value system according to his belief in Jesus. Now, what do I mean when I say that, that he's reordering his value system? For some reason, Zacchaeus was compelled to see Jesus. He wanted to see him. He, they ne- it never says to us that like he wanted to invite Jesus over to his house to make him a, a good meal, to host him at his table. It never says anything like that. It just says that he wanted to see Jesus. So that there was something in Zacchaeus that had this belief, that had this, um, this, this faith in who Jesus was, even though he didn't know him. And he makes this decision to reorder his value system according to his belief in Jesus. And we know this because he gives away half of his income to the poor. Now, (laughs) this is an intense and extreme response. But I think what is important for us to see here is that sometimes it means that we got to make intense and extreme responses in order to write a different story going forward. In order to get unstuck on our journey, sometimes we've got to do intense things. We've got to respond in intense ways. And in no way, I think, is this text implying um, 
that you should go right now and give all half of your income to the poor. I, I don't think that, that that's the takeaway from this, this text. It, it's deeper than this. For Zacchaeus, his whole identity was caught up in being this head tax collector. He was very rich. What we know about this uh, historical moment that Jesus is living in is that the Roman government would get Jewish people to become tax collectors and basically they would tell them, listen, get this much tax for the government and then you can get as much taxes above that as you want. So oftentimes what would happen is you'd have um, Jewish people and they would basically double tax everyone. So they were hated by other Jewish people because they were stealing from them. And so their, their fellow people saw them as robbers, as thieves, and nobody wanted to be associated with them. So, so we know that Zacchaeus was someone whose value system and his attachments, his sense of identity, his sense of worth, his sense of meaning and purpose were all caught up in the money that he was making in the way that he was living his life to just be that 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 money was going to be the supreme value of his life and that that's where he was going to find um, his sense of purpose and identity and so when he says i'm going to give away half of my income to the poor this is an intense response this is an extreme response because that is what is required to interrupt the the journey of our lives to get unstuck, we oftentimes need to do very, have a very intense response. We have to do something that's going to reorder our value system. And not only, so that's the first thing he does. He, he reorders his value system according to his beliefs in Jesus. But not only that, the second thing that we see him do is that he reorients his life around that new value system. He, he says, after he says, I'm going to give away half my income, he says, I'm going to pay, if I'm caught cheating, if I'm caught cheating, I will pay four times the damages to anyone who catches me cheating. And so now he reorients his life or his next steps. He's basically saying, listen, if I'm caught cheating, if anybody calls me out for being a cheat, for stealing from them, I'm going to pay them back four times the damages. Again, because for Zacchaeus, whose sense of identity was in wealth and riches and in stealing and robbing and cheating people, this is the, these are the practices that made sense for him. These are the, the, the steps that he had to take. So there's a, an, a big, intense response, an extreme response. And then there's some steps that he takes to be able to reorient his life around his new value system where he's no longer attaching his identity to money, to stealing, to cheating, but his identity now is attached to Christ. It's attached to the values of God's kingdom. And so because it's attached to that, he not only reorders his life so that Jesus is Lord, but he begins to reorient his life around this, this, this declaration of Jesus is Lord and his, his values begin to reflect that reordering of his life. I love what Jesus says. Jesus says at the end, verses 9 and 10, is today, salvation, today is salvation day in this home. Here he is, Zacchaeus, son of Abraham, the son of man, came to find and restore the lost. 
as Zacchaeus reorders his value system according to his belief in Jesus, and as he reorients his life around that new value system, we see that there's this opportunity for restoration. There's an opportunity for transformation and there's an opportunity for him to live alive. He's no longer stuck following his old scripts of being a thief, of following his old scripts of being someone uh, who would cheat other people, of following his old scripts of finding his sense of worth and identity in the accumulation of money. No, now he's living a different story. We don't know what it was that caused him to so desperately see Jesus, but there was something in his life, there was some emotion that was, was triggering this, some, this response that he had to see Jesus. And when he comes into contact with Jesus, it's like everything changes. And he has this intense response and then ha- begins to orient his life around that response. I know that it's possible for us to shift the script of our stories. I know that it's possible for us to get unstuck. And I think sometimes we don't actually believe that we can we can shift the story of our journey. And and we do that because we feel like we're like stuck in the middle of it, right? When you're stuck in the middle of the arc of your story, it's like, wow, nothing ever happens. Nothing is ever going to change. This is how it will always be. And by the way, when you find yourself using words like that, like never and always, it may be a cue to you that you are living inside of a script. And so when you're triggered, when your emotions are triggered, let your body speak to you. Let your soul speak to you so that you can write a different story going forward. I think sometimes we just believe that that we can't shift, that we can't interrupt, that we can't get unstuck because all we've known is this life and so this is where we're stuck um i've been so for those of you who uh like netflix which is everybody who doesn't like netflix um i am on the you bandwagon i've watched season one over the course of like two days uh just before the holidays and then the the next version the season two came out and I watched that also over the course of two days, mostly because Penn, like Dan Humphrey, does, does do people remember him from Gossip Girl? You is so short. I um I I started another round of watching Gossip Girl. Uh, true confessions here on the podcast. We um we're friends, so I can say this to you all. This is probably my fourth or fifth time watching Gossip Girl all the way through. I own all, I, 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 I'm watching it on Netflix, but I also own all of the DVDs um, because there was a, there was a time before Netflix, friends. Can you imagine? There's a time before Netflix. And so anyway, I'm in the midst of watching Gossip Girl again from season one all the way through. And I'm in season three and season three of Gossip Girl is is a terrible season. I mean, you just want to yell. It's their first time for for some of them, not all of them, first time in college. And they're just all making terrible decisions. They're making terrible decisions. And I find myself like looking at the 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 episodes and I'm just like, come on guys, like why? Why are you being so dumb? Like why are you making that decision? Why are you behaving like that? And they all just seem like they're stuck in their in this in in this like bad behavior. They're stuck in these scripts that they think need to define their lives because of what what life was like in high school and like now this is what life is gonna look like post high school. And oh it's so disturbing. 
but as i as i was watching it today i was thinking about how like this is how we feel too like we don't get the privilege of being able to watch seasons one through seven of our lives we are in season three and we don't know what's going to happen in season four right like we, we just we don't know and i think one of the reasons why we have this like binge watching culture of of netflix and hulu and why we just like to watch all of it start to finish like i watched you over the course of two days is because we we need to know what happens but when you've got a show like gossip girl that has several seasons to it or gray's anatomy anybody still watching gray's anatomy thursday nights that's that's still i'm i'm still on that gray's anatomy train so many seasons right and and so you've got so many seasons of a show and that's actually more true to life like there are so many seasons of our lives and sometimes when we're in the middle of it when we're stuck in season 3 and we're behaving in ways that are just like season 1 man we get so frustrated with ourselves because we don't know what's going to happen in season four five six seven like we just don't know what the future holds but as i'm watching um gossip girl and just yelling at the at the, at the screen because i know what's happening i know what's going to come because i've seen now four four or five times i've watched the entire season i'm just thinking about how good god is that god is is the one who knows it all like God knows how our stories began. We, he knows like where we're stuck and he knows how we're going to end. The Bible tells us that he is the beginning and the end. He is the first and the last. And so when we, like Zacchaeus, um, are, are hidden in his story, when we find ourselves believing in Jesus, and actually a better translation of believing in or having faith in Jesus from a biblical perspective is that we believe on to Jesus, that we have faith on Jesus, which the imagery of that, if you think about like when, when you sit down on a chair, you are confident that that chair is not going to fall from underneath you because you have faith on the chair. You believe on the chair that when you sit on it, it's going to hold your weight. The same thing is true in our relationship with Jesus, that when we put our weight onto Jesus, Jesus is like, man, I know that you feel stuck in the middle of this story, but I want you to know that I, I my plans for you are good, and I'm going to work all things together for the good. And if you will just allow me to use your emotions, if you will just allow me to use these moments that are triggering for you to, to help you and to help point you to what I'm trying to tell you and how I'm trying to speak to you through your life, then we won't be stuck in season three. Like there is a season four, five and six and seven or season 22 if you're Grey's Anatomy, season 21 and still going. Um, and so... As, as I'm as I'm watching Gossip Girl, like and thinking about how stuck I was today, like I'm so encouraged that believing on Jesus and having faith on Jesus allows me to reorder my value system according to Him, and allows me to reorient my life around Him. And when I do that, even when I feel stuck, I can get unstuck. So what does this mean? Just kind of from a practical perspective, I want to give you a couple of questions to ask yourself: How do you get unstuck? And so four questions um, that I want you to think about when you feel like you're stuck, like you're in the hamster wheel, like you're in a cloud, like you're in a fog. Four questions I want you to ask yourself. Question number one, what is this emotion? Well, sorry. What is this emotion 
pointing me to? I want you to ask yourself, number one, what is this emotion pointing me to? Number two, what is the script I am following? Number two, second thing I want you to ask yourself is what is the script I am following? And then number three, I want you to ask yourself, is this script aligned with my values? Is this script aligned with my values? And by the way, if you haven't had a chance to already, I've got a field guide on the website for you to be able to download. It's a free field guide and you can download that if you have not clarified and really defined your core values. Um, This is like probably the most important first step that you can take on your journey towards wholeness and purpose and living alive. And so I've got that for you, got that resource, that field guide for you on the website. Um, the link will be in the episode notes and you can, you can do that because it's so important because when you're asking yourself this question, is this script aligned with my values? You got to figure out what, what are your core values? Question number three, is this script aligned with my values? And then question number four, what is the reordering and reorienting that the Lord may be inviting me into. So when you feel stuck, I want you to ask yourself these four questions so that you can get unstuck. First question, ask yourself, what is the emotion pointing me to? What is the script I'm following? Is the script aligned with my values? And what is the reordering and reorienting that the Lord may be inviting me into? And so when you ask yourself these questions, instead of getting stuck, you get still and you allow the Lord to initiate your next step. Jesus gives us this invitation is be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I'm God. I think it's really hard in our culture to find stillness, but if we will allow ourselves when, when our body is telling us like, giving us these red flags, something's going on, there's some emotions underneath. If we'll allow ourselves to really ask ourselves these four questions when we get stuck, and I think we'll be able to, to get unstuck, and instead of getting stuck, you'll be able to find stillness. You'll be able to accept that invitation that Jesus offers us, that God offers us when he says, be still and know that I am God. So for me today, as I was you know sitting in the coffee shop, stuck, triggered, in the hamster wheel, in a fog, in a cloud, all the things, like just completely stuck. Um, I, I kind of was, was asking God, okay, God, like, how do I, what, what, what's my next move out of here? My, I, I need to go to the grocery store and I needed to run some errands, other errands. And I was like, oh, what, what should I go do that? If I go home, I know that I'm just going to like crawl on the couch, hide under a blanket and sleep for the rest of the afternoon, which is not a healthy response. So like, what, what's a, what's a, a next step? Like what, what is the next step you want me to take? And I, I kind of had this thought in my head that I would go for a walk. It's been um, like in the teens, the highs in the teens here in Boston. So it's been really cold, it's Arctic temperatures here. But today the temperature went up to like 40 degrees or something. So it was like a mild day for us. Um, I don't know if it was quite 40 degrees, but 30, 40 degrees, somewhere in there. And I, I just had this thought in my head. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go for a walk. I'm just going to go for a walk. I'm going to get some movement in. Um, I'm not going to listen to a podcast. I'm not going to listen to music. I'm just going to be still and allow 
God to just speak to me. And I hesitated going for a walk because there's a specific place that, that I felt like I needed to go. And it's this pond um, that I usually run around. So when I run, it's part of my, the trail that I use is connected to this pond. And the only time that I've, that I've actually walked around this pond is during seasons of my life that have been really terrible. Um, and so the last thing that I wanted to do <laughs> was go for a walk because I have this association with this pond of like terrible seasons. And so I, I that, why, 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 why is this thought coming into my head? But I said, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do it 30 minutes. Like I'll go for a walk. It'll be fine. So I go to, I drive over to the pond and I, I start walking around and as I'm walking around, I'm just having all these memories of the other times when I've walked. I'm like, I so prefer to run. And then I thought to myself, this is, this is what it is when we do not take the time to look inwards and backwards. It's very hard for us to look outward and move forward in a healthy way because all I wanted to do was just run around this pond and not walk around it. As I kept walking, I was like, you know, this is this is important. It's important for me to walk and to just allow the Lord to speak to me in the stillness of this moment. And so the pond, because it's been so cold here, was frozen over. And um, as I'm looking out at the pond and just seeing how frozen the, the, the water is, I'm thinking of just about the stillness of it all and how sometimes when when we feel stuck, we feel frozen in time and like nothing is moving. And I was like, oh, this is how I feel right now. I feel like I am frozen. Um, and not like the movie Frozen, not in a good way, but like in a frozen way. And so um, I, so I'm, so I'm walking and, and just kind of spending some time thinking. And as I was, as I was walking, the Lord just kind of reminded me like, Sarah, I, in those seasons that were really bad and really hard, when you walked around this lake in this pond, I was there. I was with you. I saw you. I knew you. And I am with you now. And we look at what you've look at what you've come through. Look at how you've progressed in your journey. Look how we've walked together. Look how you're living so much more in wholeness right now, as as you even let yourself <laughs> come here. And, and walk with me and, and allow me to, to work in your spirit right now. And I, I, I left feeling so uh, just free and encouraged um, and just being able to, to look at the journey of where God and I have been and to know that even if I just feel stuck temporarily, like everything is temporary. A friend of mine loves to say everything is temporary. And it's true. Like we, we move through these seasons, but even though things are temporary, I think that's true. I think things are both temporary and I think we've got to, we've got to work towards and walk towards wholeness so that what is temporary doesn't become our norm. Because I think sometimes the temporary things, the things that pass away, we can see them repeat over and over and over again in our lives if we don't take the time to stop. And to be still with the Lord. And so I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe you got to go for a walk around a pond. Maybe there's another place that for you is significant that reminds you of the faithfulness of God, of the grace of God over your life. Um, and maybe it's a scary place for you to go to because you're like me. You're like, I, every time I go to that place, it's because I'm in a bad place. <laughs> and sometimes I think it's important that we revisit even the hard places because then we can see, wow, God, I'm not there 
I have been transformed from that person and I am being transformed even in this moment of feeling stuck and I will be transformed and I won't be Serena stuck in season three of Gossip Girl. Like there's, there's, there's hope even for Serena. Anyway, friends, uh, that's all I got today for, for our journey. I, um, really excited, um, just to continue walking with you. And the, the truth is we're all going to get stuck but there's a way to get unstuck. And if we will take the time to look inward and backward, then we'll be able to look outward and walk forward together. So let's pray and um, close out our time. God, we thank you because uh, we acknowledge that you are the beginning and the end. You're the alpha and the omega. You're the first and the last. And when everything falls away, Jesus, you say that your word remains. Jesus, you came and you were the word that was made flesh. And so we can trust in you. We can believe on you. We can have faith on you like Zacchaeus did when he ran out of desperation to just to see you. And when he saw you, he had this encounter with you that was so transformative that interrupted the script of his life so that he could get unstuck from his cheating, lying, manipulative ways. And he could step into a new reality with you. And we ask God that you would do the same with us and that you would allow us to step into a new reality with you, that we'd be able to take our next step and our next step wouldn't be a step of walking in our past, but that it would be a step walking towards a future of wholeness where we can walk in purpose. And I pray, God, that you would give us the insight to be able to know um, what are our emotions revealing to us? What is the script that we are, we are stuck in maybe? And what is the way that that is misaligned with the values of the kingdom of God? And how might you be inviting us to reorder and reorient our lives so that we can take healthy next steps forward? God, forgive us for the moments where we're just running, where we're forcing it, where we're not resting in you, where we're not finding stillness in you. Forgive us for those moments and help us, God. Empower us, Jesus. Be our teacher, be our guide, form us, and show us what it looks like to get unstuck in healthy ways that that lead to our wholeness and purpose in you, that allow us to live the abundant life, Jesus, that you came to offer us. So we love you, Lord, and we pray all of these things in your name. Amen. Hey, friend. Thanks for walking with me on the journey today. Before you go, I want to invite you to do three easy things so that we can continue to walk together. First, subscribe to the podcast. Second, share the podcast with a friend. And third, head on over to my website, sarahrgotier.com, where you can download your free field guide with a practical exercise that will support you towards a live living. Let's continue building one another up to live alive, one conversation at a time.